We're back after a week off to collect our thoughts and whatever Jeff was up to. We have quite the episode ahead for you guys on Waking the Red Weekly. It's a Canadian Championship week, so we'll look ahead to a tantalizing triple header of games. Rumors have also picked up surrounding the return of Toronto FC's prodigal son. So we'll try to contain our glee and have a rational conversation about Sebastian Javinko. We'll not, however, hide our excitement about our guest this week as former Toronto mayor and huge Toronto FC supporter David Miller will be joining the show today as we will chat things past, present, and future of the club. But first, Jeffrey Pinesker, Michael Singh, I've missed you guys. <laughs> oh, you're just saying that, Mitch. Yeah. Come on. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, actually, what were you up to? That's what I, mean, I want to know. Jeff. No, what no, no. You? I've I've just been a busy busy boy. I got a uh, I got a lot of a lot of things on the go, guys. Busy's wow. good. Busy. Yeah. You're you're producing today as well. Eh? Mhm. Mhm. Jeff's trying to do five things at once today. <laughs> Story so of my if life. If you see him Yeah, if you see him frantically like just doing stuff at the back there, just assume he's producing cuz he's uh he's our superhero today. It's my Mitch. get out of fidget free card. I love it. <laughs> Okay. Mitch, you're back as well, and it's good to see everybody again, and thank you for everyone who's tuning in today. Man, we actually have something positive to talk about in regards <laughs> to TFC. I'm so just all weird. smiles this week. We got, a, we got a big game tomorrow, too. I just I just can't wait, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's multiple things, actually, this week that we can be excited about for Toronto FC between, you know, actually winning a game again for the first time since late July. Um, like we said off the top, the Canadian Championship is back this week as well, and there's so many exciting games in that. I think the, the triple header is going to be incredible. Um, and, of course, I think where we start here, which is uh, some big rumors and, and reports and a uh, certain familiar face that was back at BMO field as part of that uh, Nashville Toronto FC game. I think almost overshadowing what was happening on the field was the fact that Sebastian Javinko was up there in a, in a box chatting with Josie Altador. And I know the club has obviously come out as they always do. And um, so this, anything regarding his return is pure speculation, but I mean, at, at this point, I think uh, that, that speculation is getting pretty heavy. I love it. I love yeah. it. Like bring, yeah. embrace the chaos. Bring on the chaos. Like this is so storybook in terms of Sebastian Javinko coming back. We we joked on our show like a couple of weeks ago that you know just bring Sebastian Javinko back. It makes no sense whatsoever. There's nothing that that really adds up here. But just bring <laughs> it back, just for the fan base. Yep. And you know it it seems like something perhaps is in the works here. And if so, personally. I'm all for it. Like if we can bring Sebastian Javeco back on a deal that isn't as a designated player, even as a TEM money signing, then I am all for it. Why not? Bill Manning has talked about adding more firepower to this Toronto FC team. And, you know, if you can bring Seba back on like a, a Victor Vasquez type of deal, you know, uh, 2017 type of deal, why the heck not? He he will only make this this team that much deeper off the bench, or even you know potentially starting some games. And it's just it's Seba, and we know what Seba means. And even as a casual TFC fan, I think everybody would be excited about the prospect of having Sebastian Javinko back at, T- at BMO Field. Yeah, I mean, I know we're going to ask uh, uh, Mr. Miller about this uh, in a, in a couple minutes, so I'm remiss to to give out my 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 A game. But yeah, I mean, uh, 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 either a Victor Vasquez deal or even a Benoit Cheru deal, which was even less. I think mm-hmm. Benoit came in for the league minimum, 
under the uh, presumptive the presumption that he was going to stick around in a front office role later. Uh, so I think more. I mean, VV is such a unicorn deal, right? That was a DP and everything but money, right? And and well, the well the specifics of why VV took that deal to come to TFC are quite similar to why Seba would take it to come back, all things being equal. I do think that this is a bit more of a uh, of what we could call the Ben Washeru special or would be what we could call the, the Ben Washeru special. And and I hope yeah. I hope it is, actually. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps. And look, this guy was was the best player in Major League Soccer. He could be the best player in Major League Soccer history. And we know the season TFC has had this year if there is one move that they can make to sort of reignite this fan base in, in some sort of capacity, even just the casual fan, as I mentioned, I think it would be Sebastian Javinko. Um, that being said, like, of course he doesn't solve everything that's wrong with TFC right now. Not even nope. close. No. Nope. And, but that doesn't also, he's not the only move they're going to make. Like that doesn't stop them from going out and fixing the rest of the problems. I think it's just sort of a, a luxury move, but I guess here's what we know so far. Sebastian Javinko wants to come back to Toronto. He wants to come back to Toronto FC. We don't know what his, his price range is. We don't know what he's asking for, but we do know there is some serious interest from Sebastian Javinko. We do know the club has stayed in contact with Sebastian Javinko. And we do know that no deal right now is actually in technically in place that, that we're aware of. So... Is there still a possibility that he doesn't come to Toronto? Absolutely. But if I had to bet, I would say that that the Atomic Ant returning to Toronto is probably more likely than not. I don't know if you gentlemen agree with me. I agree with you. And I I also think we're going to see him in training very, very soon because deal or no, uh, he's got to stay fit. Um, So you're going to see Seba at the BMO training ground. And I think that I can almost guarantee that I would be willing to die on that hill. Uh, so, you know, uh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Is he even allowed? Uh, yeah, why wouldn't you can train, you can yeah, train you with can. clubs. It happens yeah. all the time for, yeah. for free agent players. I mean, we've seen junior Hoylet was training with Toronto FC for, for several years. He'd come yeah. back in between Premier league seasons and train with TFC. Um, famous trained with yeah. Arsenal. Yeah. 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 Um, for like, oh, for yeah. a little while. Yeah, Dom Dwyer is a, a, a very good and, and present example before he signed with Toronto FC. So if you're a free agent, you can pretty much train wherever you want. And I mean, at minimum, if they bring him in as a as a coach for Jefferson Soteldo, I mean, that would be <laughs> that'd be pretty perfect. <laughs> I mean, is there is there any better player for Jefferson Soteldo to learn under at MLS than the guy who's you know pretty much his exact stature and plays the game that we're all hoping um, you know Jefferson will will someday achieve than you know Sebastian Javinko. Hmm. That'd be that'd be something, man. And do you guys see his little uh, his post on Twitter? I guess supporting the endorsing the the Woodbridge Liberal candidate yesterday. Proper Torontonian now. It's not even his right. <laughs> <laughs> seven knows, man. Seven knows. But um, honestly, he somebody lives here. said it was a repurposed cameo, which was quite cynical. But it also sort of did look like a repurposed cameo. <laughs> that being said. I mean, at this point, we all live on our webcams. Like, what has he got to go into a different room so that it's got a different vibe than his cameos? I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. it was it was fair, but also quite cynical. Uh, I yeah. guess before we get a bit too carried away, like, it, it, nothing's official. Like, mm-hmm. Sebastian Javinko is not a Toronto FC player at this moment. The rumors have it that he will be signing a deal that will have 
him join Toronto FC next starting next season. Mm-hmm. So I think we're just going to have to play the waiting game a little bit and see if anything here comes to fruition. Uh, again, as we have all kind of touched on, we'd love to see him back at BMO Field in, in some sort of capacity as long as it makes sense for the team. And if that happens, I think it, it would be something special. It would be something special. It'll be divisive. I mean, there's a lot of people that are that are really against this. Um, you know, and but and, those those people have been the ones that are quick to say, but this team needs defense. Exactly. Right? I was. I mean, that, exactly. You. You. It's not that like doesn't they're... stop them from from getting defense. It does. The, like they're not allowed to just get one player in, in the offseason. Yes, they are, Mike. Yes, they are. There's only one <laughs> I mean, guy. Recently, and and, and and if they and if they want two players, they've got to cut the two guys in half and then sew them together to make to make one dude. <laughs> that's the that's the latest uh, MLS rules. Um, yeah, no, I was going to say the exact same thing. It's like, well, we don't need Seba. We need a center back. One does not, they're not mutually exclusive. We can do both. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think there is some, tr- I think we're all a bit, um, we've got a bit of MLS roster rule PTSD because we've been sort of this albatross of the Josie buyout has been hanging over our head for two seasons. It's a lot of money. There's a lot of stipulations, uh, rightfully so that the league has put in place, uh, to preclude buyouts, but, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, Mike just wrote me a text in the private chat. And I can't, I can't <laughs> multitask. Your first, uh, so. There's your first producer, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I am not able to multitask. That's amazing. At all. Um, yeah. We didn't even touch on the fact that TFC played an actual game. We just talked about seven the entire time. Yeah. Like I said, it, it, I think it did kind of overshadow everything that happened during that game. Just given, you know, the recent context of, of Toronto FC and what, you know, that I guess the, the meaning behind that game, which honestly in the grand scheme of things, isn't much, even if it was nice to, to see them grab a win again. Cool. And you know, they, they snapped a nine game winless run, a six game, uh, losing streak and hey, <laughs> it, it, Seba's undefeated when he goes or TFC's undefeated when Seba's in the house. So we'll roll with that for now and and let's keep the good times rolling. Mm. Did they win that? Game? There was a there was a game a couple of years back when Seba came to this season. To okay, Mitch, okay, this right. season. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just checking. Martin Bailey will for sure call you on that, but um, we do have our guest here now. So let's uh, let's bring him on. Let's um, do this. Jeff is uh, <laughs> is ready to do this. Awesome. Oh, wow, got the kit the on kit for the occasion. My goodness. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. How are you now? Joined by. <laughs> well, that might be misapplied. I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. Now joined by Dave Miller, former mayor of Toronto, of course, as well as author of "Solved: How the World's Great Cities Are Fixing the Climate Crisis." And for our purposes, of course, as you can tell, a massive Toronto FC supporter. <laughs> so I, I'm sure you've told this story many times, David, but uh, we want to get it as well. How did you become a Toronto FC supporter, and why are you, you know, have you stuck with this team through through all these years? Well, the first thing is I'm, uh, I grew up in England before we immigrated to Canada. So I, I cannot remember existing before I had a, a soccer ball at my feet. You know, it's, it's my game. I got taught very well when uh, I was a boy. I love it. It's, you know, it's been part of my life forever. I've, you know, I've coached both my son and my daughter. I played into university. Just love it. It's the world's game. And it's a very Toronto game because it's the world's game. In Toronto, we're lucky and blessed because we've got people who can trace their heritage back to everywhere. 
So, I mean, that's my personal connection with soccer. Um, and then in about 2005 or 2006, the federal government and uh, the Canadian Soccer Association, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment and the Toronto Argos, decided they wanted to build a stadium uh, and bring a soccer team to Toronto. And they came and uh, spoke to us the day before their press conference. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which, you know, when you run the city in which you're supposed to have the facility is not ideal. Um, fairly <laughs> arrogant of Ottawa and kind of uh, thoughtless by the others. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to put the stadium at uh, Varsity Stadium, mm-hmm. which if they'd spoken to us, we would have said that's a good place, but you're going to get a lot of pushback. Mm-hmm. If you want to put a professional facility there, maybe you should think about exhibition place. So we had the press conference with a disaster. Well, press conference went well but it was a disastrous attempt. U of T colleges adjacent to varsity actually voted against it. Of course they so, did. Yeah. Uh, well, they didn't want professional facilities. They didn't want the noise. So then uh, uh, Canada Soccer Association, the Argos, and uh, the federal government decided to go to York University. We didn't even go to that press conference. <laughs> <laughs> and that went nowhere, as as everybody knows. Um, and so uh, Soccer Canada phoned me up one day and said, we're going to lose uh, the Under-20 World Cup and lose the potential MLS franchise unless you can help us get a stadium. And I said, okay. Um, we wanted an exhibition place, and our condition is that the city own it. And the reason we want it there is it's got great transit, it's got parking, it's got a history of sports, It'll help rejuvenate uh, Liberty Village and in, in the restaurants uh, there, um, and it works for us. And uh, and I said, what else do you need? And they said, the Argos have dropped out. We need the city to put in some money. So based on that conversation we met with Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, we worked out a package. Uh, I said, I need you to say this publicly first, because otherwise we can't get Ottawa to come along. So they both spoke up and said, we want to go to Exhibition Place. And uh, Ottawa and Queen's Park came along and, and funded it. And that's that's the history. And I'm kind of proud because it was actually my personal intervention that saved it <laughs> after, you know, our, our friends in the federal government had gone so sideways uh, <laughs> by not, not thinking about, you know, who should you talk to? Of course, you talk to the local people about where to put something like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. You sort of answered the next question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I Jeff. don't even know what the next question was. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you how, how difficult it was to kind of get that over the line, just the, the stadium itself and, and how that worked. But I'm going to pass along to Jeff, and we'll, we'll just go ahead to the next question because I think he sure. covered pretty much all the bases and, there. And, the, and this one's kind of a monster question. So so let, let's talk specifically. I mean, you're in the long sleeve. I think that's the 2011 home kit. Uh, uh so your favorite You're better than I am at tracing the year. <laughs> well, I mean, let's go, let's go. This is this is fast money time. So <laughs> let's go. Favorite, least favorite TFC manager, player, and kit. Uh, so, I mean, favorite manager is Greg Manning. That's that's easy. Probably uh, uh, Precky. <laughs> I, actually, I actually met Precky. Mm-hmm. He had a directness that you had to like, but he was just such the wrong fit 
I mean, the, the classic with Precky was, uh, gosh, I can't remember the player's name right now. We had a, a younger player then who was superb, and Precky got rid of him because he wasn't defensive enough. And he went to Colorado or somewhere, and when Aaron Vinter was here, they saw him and said, hey, he'd do really well for us. He's exactly the kind of player we want. And, you know, Precky my, sent him away. Yeah, my memory my memory escapes me, but but John Molinaro mentioned the same story in his uh, in his video recollection of, of the Precky years uh, on, on TFC Republic. And it was very funny that he pointed him out when they were playing and said, we could use that guy. And they were like, you, you used to have him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> come, he, was, he was a really good uh, midfielder, could move the ball. Yeah. Um, Jackson, I want to say Jackson, but but no, no, God, no, God no. Jackson was terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like the the, mm. the kit. I my favorite kit, and a lot of um, supporters don't seem to like it, but it was the one with all the maple leaves embedded oh, yeah. in it. Mm. Uh, red or red or black. The the dark reds. Mm. So yeah, yeah. In the, yeah, same so, yeah, same year. Red, red kit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, same. Twenty four, no, twenty thirteen home kit. Uh, you needed zero percent body fat to pull that kit off. It was, <laughs> it's it's an impossible thing to wear unless you have an athletic build. It's it's the most unforgiving kit in the universe, and the the multiple maple leaves really define all the bad parts of your body if you, if you happen to be wearing it. So, in twenty thirteen, I could have worn it. <laughs> Before and after, different. Yep. And. Um, I think some of the early away kits weren't the best. I yeah. kind of like the gray long sleeve, mm-hmm. short sleeve. Uh, I just, it was like it was thrown together really quickly for people who hadn't planned properly for. And it, and it was it was a, it was a pure <laughs> Adidas template. I know exactly the one you're talking about. Uh, hopefully, this segues into into our next question because this is what we do here. Uh, favorite player, least favorite player. Uh, Jonathan Azorio is my favorite player. Awesome. Mr. Pick of it. Amazing. Yeah. He's, well, he's Canadian. We've watched him grow. Mm-hmm. And he, he is, he's become really, really superb. And it's just fantastic to, to watch him. Uh, plus, uh, my wife Jill's uh, from uh, Latin America originally. She grew up in Venezuela. And oh, Colombia. there you go. So, so Oso's story speaks to me a bit that way. Um, I don't like to think of a, a least favorite. I mean, I'll say Mister because you know, <laughs> a lot of money. What did we get? Two goals. Yep. Yep. That. That, yeah. Uh, the player in question, by the way, thanks to Sash Master, is Sam Cronin. Sam, Sam Cronin, Cronin is the name that we were looking for. So thank <laughs> you, Sash Master. That's that's Sash what we Master, do here. You are really impressive. Exactly <laughs> Sam Cronin. That's who I was thinking of. Um, Mitch just said I can I can move along uh, and ask you the question. So, Sebastian Giovinco, are we welcoming him back with open arms? Why or why not? How can we not welcome him back? He's, he's a legend. He's the greatest player ever to play in this league, let alone for TFC. Uh, he was magical, and he was also prescient. You know, one of the things it's been a bit forgotten, but Seba uh, in uh, 2018, there was a big celebration at the beginning of the season about the cup, and he said that was last year. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be celebrating again now. Mm-hmm. And he was right, and I think philosophically some of the challenges the club's had since then 
go back to thinking we were better than we were. You know, we built up this incredible history and this incredible path. So I think Seba just, you know, he's got to retire here. He's got to retire here. I don't care what we pay him. Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment's money. I've been paying Rogers and Bell thousands of dollars. <laughs> get back. <laughs> so money's no object. You're fine if he takes a DP spot despite his age? Well, I, I worry about the DP, but maybe there's another way to do it. You bring him for a year, and then you know he becomes an ambassador. For yeah, the, the Ben the Ben Washeru special is what is what I like to yeah. call it. Because um, yeah. I, um, but here's the thing, and and you didn't you didn't quite get there, but I'm I'm sort of going to nudge you along because there's a sentiment going around now uh, on the internet that that he's coming in to fix everything, and well, that that's a oh, wonderful God, no. idea. It seems to gloss over 2018 because. Unfortunately, 2018, I think, was the beginning of where we are now, you know, both in terms of of, of subbing out Betashore and, and other guys for, for you know, the, the Vanderveels and the Agar Keches, but also, you know, Seba's very public uh, uh, contract dispute and what it did to the locker room in 2018. Do you know what I mean? I'd, I'd like to think that everybody gets a second chance, but this rose-colored perspective of Seba as the returning hero that's going to whip us into shape maybe ignores that that very important detail and, and that and that to me is something that I that I take umbrage with I, that's fair enough in 2018 I'd love to see somebody really do some good interviews with the players from 2018 yep because it, it wasn't all a disaster it was amazing and then it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And then it wasn't. Right? Yeah. So what what happened? Was it the Seba, the uncertainty around him? You know, what was it? Did they just wear out? Mm-hmm. So they had almost no break. Uh, well, they had a break 2015 after Montreal, but from 2016, 2017, they'd essentially had no break. And even professional athletes, your your bodies just don't respond. So of course, that could be part of it. Could be Seba. I agree with you. I don't think Seba should come here as a savior. I think Seba should come here because he's special, unique, and he's ours, and he should end his career with us. Mm-hmm. I, th- I actually think it's management that had uh, overestimated the skill and ability of this team after our Champions League run. Yep. You know. I, by the way, I watched that final on my Blackberry. I watched it again because there, it was on... Well, uh, yeah, no one should ever watch that again, ever, <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Well, mm. Marky Delgado missing on a Blackberry, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning or whatever mm-hmm. it was in London, England was equally depressing. But, um, you know, I think management overestimated us um, and a lot of their decisions can be tracked back to that success. And I think the criticism that we don't need Seba, what we need is one or two new center backs and, you know, a striker in the mold of what Josie was in 2017, at least. I agree with that completely. And, you know, we haven't brought those players in. I think management's been way overconfident, way overestimated. But notwithstanding all of that, I'm a romantic. If we can have mm-hmm. Sebastian Javinko in his career here, even a couple of steps slower, look at the... Vasquez in in LA. Yeah, you know, he's, he's started I think sixteen games, maybe seventeen now, hmm. um, and he's been very impactful. And and you know he had serious long term injuries, so yep. he can come back. Seba could have a, a good role. I agree. Yeah. 
My question for you guys on players is, if you have Pozuelo, why do you bring in Soteldo? I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm right on board with you. I, I think that was a, a shiny, shiny impulse purchase, uh, with very little care and concern to, to what we've claimed our, our principles of recruitment are, and that might have been impacted by the pandemic. But you know, we were all impacted by the pandemic. I just, I think it was, it was, a, it was a shiny thing that got dangled in front of us, and we thought we could flex our, 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 our spending power, and that superseded um, rational thought. Hmm. And I, and, I, and, I, I, I completely disagree with you. I, <laughs> I know I think- you do. <laughs> For, well, first of all, I think Jefferson Soteldo's age, he's he's 23 years old, 24 now. Um, and this is a, a guy who was brought in really before what should be the prime of his career. He did amazing at Santos. And and yeah, sure, he he's another kind of playmaker in, in regards to the same way Alejandro Pozuelo is. Um, but that being said, I think a lot of people are pointing the finger at Soteldo being like, okay, we need more goals. But the real issue isn't Jefferson Soteldo. It's the fact that we have a designated player who has one goal this season or two goals this season, maybe in, in Josie Altador, who's supposed to be that number nine. So when you already have a, a designated player spot, that's, you know, used up as a number nine, it doesn't make sense to get another number nine to occupy the same position. You're going to kind of bet on Josie Altador that he could sort of bounce back. You also had Iowa Canola who could fill that, that kind of void. So for me, I think Soteldo and Pozuelo, I think they just need to kind of, you know, get get some more chemistry together because I think they are different types of players. I think they can both do different things really well. And if you add in a third piece that can score goals with those two guys creating chances, I think it's a recipe for success. And unfortunately, we haven't been able to to be witness to all of that this year because there's there's one big burden there. Well, if you look at the last two games you could argue that Soteldo played his best and he was in a much more central role. My, I think that's fair. My concern is Pozuelo to be really good needs to be on the ball all the time. Soteldo to be really good needs to be on the ball all the time. So mm-hmm. they're, they're not additive. I like him as a player. I agree with you. He's got great potential. But, you know, you, you just – you, you question as a casual fan. I don't pretend to be a, a soccer manager. I could score goals, but that's a <laughs> well. Then hire him. Put him out there. Number, we got our number nine right here. Well, I I had a right foot, but I couldn't jump, and I had no left foot. Right foot. I really had a right foot. But the nice. the you know I, I look at this year and I think well they bring in Dom Dwyer mm. and they bring in a left back. And they don't bring in central uh, CB, and they don't bring in you know you you already had Mullins, who I think is better than Dwyer, and he certainly fulfills a similar role. Sure, uh, I agree. So it's just it's just odd. It's like they all of a sudden just kind of they had people they could bring in, so they brought them in. I mean, all mm-hmm. three of those: Kamar Lawrence, Dwyer, and Soteldo were opportunistic. They don't seem yep. to be planned, and it, that makes me worry. Me too. Yeah. You, you've kind of talked about this a little bit, but like, but you know, this is what we've been trying to figure out since the start of the season. What what do you think really has gone wrong for Toronto FC? And I mean, you mentioned it a little bit, you know, just bringing in guys that maybe weren't the best fit for for the system or even for what they needed. But you know, you're, if you're trying to fix things in this off season, we've already said, you know, Sebastian Javinko 
could be sort of part of a fix, but obviously he's not going to fix even close to everything. What would what would you personally be looking for? Oh, I think Sebastian Javinko is fun. I don't think he fixes the team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I like having fun. Of yeah. course, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's selfish. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, they've, they've to some extent in 2018, to some extent in 2020, they've and uh, certainly this year they've been shredded with quick counterattacks, long balls down the middle. You know, really bad for a bunch of reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Bradley, no matter how brave and fantastic, is a bit slower. Mm-hmm. And uh, except for Mavinga, uh, everybody else who plays center back is slow. So to me, you you need to bring in um, somebody who's a leader, like uh, Moore was, mm-hmm. um, and and another center back who's maybe younger and faster, but. Uh, we don't seem to have developed anybody, um, you know, maybe, but uh, we can see in the off season if we've got somebody coming up, but we don't seem to develop anybody who step in right now who's really ready for everyday minutes. That mm-hmm. to me is the number one thing. We're still pretty crowded in midfield. Uh, you know, Bradley, Azorio, and Delgado were superb the last two games. Yep. No pause. You got paused there. Who plays? Who doesn't? And I wonder if we couldn't uh, lighten up a bit in the midfield so that we could get uh, strengthen our, our spine up the middle, starting with the defense. And we really need a very good backup striker or maybe a DP. Yep. I I, I don't want to gut the whole team, but I you know those are pretty big needs, and maybe we need to think about keeper as well. Q's getting on. Bono's a great shot stopper, but doesn't run the team. He doesn't command his box, and yep. he doesn't distribute very well. His distribution is the worst I've ever seen. It's it's really it's not over, very good. It's not very good. <laughs> it's not very good. It was good. a hell of a save. Yeah, no, it was okay. uh, as a shot stopper, he's he's right? insane. But mm. I mean, his his long kicks directly into touch or directly into the opposing team to like take a really easy touch and start a counterattack are are they give me hives? They give me hives. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that might be a, a good place to to wrap it up there. Um. Yeah, David. Thank you so much for. Thank for you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, Lovely to talk you. to you. Well, thanks for doing this, guys. Uh, you know, uh, a soccer team is a local thing. I mean, my English team is Ipswich Town. Nice. You know, they have a great history. They're now almost going to get relegated from the third division that's the and but you stick with them they're your club tfc is our club and it doesn't exist without things like your podcast and and your other work and it's fantastic and really appreciated and those of us who are fans out here and supporters of the club really appreciate it so keep up great work thank you so much much, it's it's very very appreciated and hopefully we get to do this again at a at a time when we can all celebrate wins as opposed to (laughs) lament you know how the wheels came off the truck right please please sort of normal yeah yeah the winds were nice yeah Yeah. they were they were very very nice all right uh you have a good one and we'll talk to you soon cheers man no worries okay Well, that wow. was great getting some uh, <laughs> some good stories behind how BMO Field was built and all the chaos mm-hmm. that, you know, 
befitting the the team and and everything around them at that Let, point makes makes perfect sense. Let's be honest. If 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 he wasn't involved, we probably aren't here today talking about TFC or 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 we're talking about it in an entirely different capacity. I mean, mm-hmm. you need you need to be somebody with that gauge of of the of the city's potential to be that insistent on the exhibition as a as a space. Um, mm-hmm. You know, York University would have been an, an abject disaster. Uh, it's too far north. It would have been like uh, going to a, a match in New England, you know, or or uh, going to see the New York Red Bulls where you have to take a 45-minute train ride in both directions. Ottawa Senators, yeah. Or the Ottawa Senators, right? Um, you know, it wouldn't have had the same immediate impact on, on MLS. We wouldn't have had those young urban professionals that were, you know, walking two feet from their houses to, to be there. We certainly wouldn't have seen the, 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 um, the, the ascent of Liberty village, you know, for better or worse, (laughs) but, but, uh, you know, it all, it all trickles down. And, and, uh, I didn't get to ask him, uh, what is, what is worst, what the worst BMO idea was. And, and I, and I was going to guide him to oh. basically the North end, like just the, the, the regular, the regular ideas that he kind of brushed over it with York university. Quickly didn't even go to that. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, if, if you're just yeah. joining us, I guess that was, that was David Miller, former, mm-hmm. former mayor of Toronto, a uh, fantastic, fantastic guest. And as Jeff kind of just alluded to there, we probably wouldn't be talking about BMO Field in in this capacity um, if it wasn't for for Mr. Miller. So, uh, great guest to have on. And honestly, after this season, it kind of served as sort of a, a humble reminder to us that, in in some weird way, shape, or form, things could be a lot worse right now. Absolutely, if, if you're a Toronto FC supporter. Um, yes, they are bottom over of the overall league table. Um, Yes, you know, they are struggling despite winning last game. And yeah, you know, there is some sort of apathy going around in terms of pe- fans not really attending games as much as they were before. And, you know, th- that's that's natural when, when a team has been this bad this season. But that being said, with the ownership that's in place, with, with the ambitions that the players on this current roster have, TFC is the highest could be the highest spending club in Major League Soccer, and this is this is a franchise that does not want to remain at the bottom of the table. They they need to, and they I believe they they're planning to find a way to quickly turn whatever the sinking ship is back around and get it back afloat because this this club still has incredibly high ambitions, and we couldn't say that back in in the early two thousands or late two thousands when they first started. This yeah. is uh, there is there is some some light at the end of this tunnel. We hope, and if we want to look ahead a little bit to the off season, I mean, there's going to be some tough decisions that that really have to be made. Yep. Um, without Long overdue too far ones. into it, as as Mr. Miller kind of touched on, there's there's a lot of different holes that you kind of have to shore up here for this this TFC team. But that being said, despite all of this, despite the season regular season being virtually over. I think we got to commend TFC a little bit for their performance uh, on the, over the weekend against Nashville. Nashville is a second place team in in the Eastern conference and TFC for, I think for the second straight game, in my opinion, they showed a ton of heart. Yeah. They, they, that was one of the, 
the more inspiring performances this season. And there's a reason why, you know, even the Nashville coach said before the game, like they, he believes that TFC is still a top four team in, in this league. And that's because, you know, they, they clearly have players who can play. It just, you, you need that, that consistency of, of that inspiring kind of performance. And yep. unfortunately it has been too far and too few between uh, this season. Well, yeah, I, we, I mean, uh, is this, is this Yavi ball? Is this Perez ball? Like these, these kind of, gutsy sort of grindy results uh or is it even fair to start giving you know best practices tags on anything we see this season you know it's just it because i liked it i liked what i saw um Mm -hmm. there was a there was a tactical adaptability um you know i even liked what i saw from from yef uh uh coming on i i thought uh you know he 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 did some he did some neat stuff that wasn't just stepovers and and and. Uh, but that, Jeff, did you mm-hmm. see Anthony Corey's tweet? Shout out Anthony mm-hmm. about contributions this season from from TFC players. I just want yeah, to bring that, this that up was, quickly. That was Michael Singh ghost written for sure. Yeah, I actually, yeah, yeah. didn't even <laughs> did say anything. Did you see the I thing swear. with with Yef's stats at the top that I'm just going to use <laughs> to try and? Yeah, yeah. Let bring me. It up. Uh, yeah, I, it's nine yeah. combined. Combined. Yeah, yeah I just want to bring up everybody else's. <laughs> so, Jefferson Sotel, though, nine nine contri- goal contributions in 2021. He's probably played, I don't know, maybe, what would you guys say, like 18 games, if that? If that. It's 19, I checked today. 19, 19, games, 19 14, games, 14 starts. There you go. And then you have the next nearest person is Jonathan Azurio, who has five goals. Michael Bradley is your third highest contributor this season with one goal, four assists. And then you have Alejandro Pozuela, one goal, four assists. Let me just scroll down here and just let me see if I can squint. Oh, all the way at the bottom there, it's Josie Altador with, with two goals. Mm. At Jefferson Sotel is not the problem at all with this Toronto FC team. He's one of the few pieces on this team that's actually a game breaker. And I think on several occasions, he already, he's already shown that this season. Um, I just want to see pieces around him kind of come together. And I hope, I hope, I hope it's this off season where that can happen. Yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on for this before we <laughs> get to uh, get too into it. I was, I was nervous there for a second that we done, mm. but I do think it's a, like, it is a good point. Like uh, again, Jefferson has uh, like without that free kick and, and, you know, He's done that multiple times. Him to Gonzalez is an interesting, uh, interesting setup, and Gonzalez has let him down a couple of times on, yep, on those deliveries. Yep. So it's not only that, remember that play against Inter Miami second half where the ball gets kind of played into. I think it was Schaffelberg who whipped it into him, mm-hmm. and then he does a back heel flick on a tee on a platter for Richie Larea. Yeah, and Richie Larea shoots it right at the goalie. Yeah, and those are those are plays that happen almost every game that don't score show up on the score sheet. Where Jefferson mm-hmm. Soteldo is making something happen, but there's just no end product. Um, so for me, like, like again, I, I just get get some finishers around him. Dom Dwyer and Patrick Mullins, you know what they have in common this season? No goals, zero. Neither goals. of them have an MLS <laughs> goal this season. Is that not the most ridiculous thing you've yeah, ever? Like, that's that's they're not ideal. <laughs> and none of them have an MLS goal this season. No, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Well, if your highest score is Jonathan Osorio, mm-hmm. you're in trouble. That's, in trouble. that's, that's tough at yeah. five goals too. Like not even that. That's yeah. yeah. You're in trouble. That's like yeah. you're on a good team. That's like your 
third or fourth highest goal scorer, the guy that just, you know, comes in for some clutch performances, not your golden boot winner. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how many goals have we conceded? We're into, we're into 40 something now. Have we, have we topped almost 50? Oh my God. And yeah. by far like 10 more than the, the next nearest team. So yeah. this team cannot stop conceding goals. Um, mm-hmm. But Hey, they got three points at start. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And a, a player that I think, well, has been scoring. I think we do need to mention because one of the things we've been talking about this this season as it winds down is the importance of the young guns and, and them stepping up is Jacob Schaffelberg, who Shout the past out. two games... Hell of the goal. Quite Hell good. of the yeah, goal. What, what a goal. Ball roll, yeah. goes around the keeper, finishes. I mean, that's, yeah. that's literally the thing we've been screaming for with Jacob Schaffelberg is that end product. And unfortunately, you know, not having goal line technology robbed him of another end product earlier in the week so against bad. Inter-Miami. But... Yep. I mean, this is this is what you know what the final product of Schaffelberg could be is that speed and directness is always going to be a weapon, especially yep. when you have players like Toronto FC does that can play balls over the top and and make him you know the, the, a dangerous weapon up there. We've been looking for a player like that forever to to kind of make those runs, and the issue has always been. He gets the ball, then heads straight to the byline, and his cross gets blocked or is bad. Now he's starting to look a little more confident cutting in. I mean, some of his crosses have even been much better. I agree. Uh, with some of those Jeff crosses that have gone missing. I mean, there's been a couple of Schaffelberg ones where he's put them in a perfect spot yeah, for teammates, and they haven't finished. I so, I mean, it's it's just been great and, and nice to see. And, you know, he started the season very well. Uh, once Armas left, like, he wasn't really in – Perez's plans, but he's starting to earn his way back in, and this is a guy that is making this season exciting again. And that, that's what I was going to mention there, is like, what the heck happened to him? Because we were talking about him like this, and, you know, first after the first couple of weeks of the season, that, you know, mm-hmm. Jacob Schaffelberg's like a really impact player here. Like, his leg is coming off the bench, or whether it's coming off the bench or even starting, like, he makes a difference in, like, every match that he plays in, and then all of a sudden, he's... He lost all his minutes to Tsubasa. He was, took all he his was even, yeah. I don't even say even before that, but he was dropped kind of out of the side. And then recently he was loaned to TFC two for the rest permanently, of the season. Permanently. Yeah. And never, I don't obviously, think he played a minute um, for them and then came back. So he might've played one game, but obviously okay. uh, that, you know, wasn't, <laughs> wasn't what Schaffelberg's level is right now. And, you know, we talked about this last show. Is is there any young players that we can undoubtedly say took steps forward this season aside from Ralph Preso? I think Jacob Schaffelberg's in, in that list. Where this I agree. is a guy who very mm-hmm. clearly kind of took steps forward this season. Um, now, I guess the next step is, is it's consistency, right? It's now, next time you get down the line, what are you going to do? Next time you find yourself in on, in on goal, because you know it's going to happen with the way that he attacks back lines. What are you going to do? How's your finish going to look? Um, but but this this kid is uh, is kind of like a, a light in sort of what has been just an incredibly dark tunnel this season. And hopefully mm-hmm. hopefully this, this kind of translates into the rest of the season and then on to next year, because he's only 21 years old. And again, like the tools are all there, all there for him to become a seriously good MLS player. I, yeah. uh, I've heard all kinds of shouts, all kinds of takes on Twitter, expecting him to have a lights out match tomorrow night. Cause mm-hmm. he'll probably start, uh, for the CanCon requirements. And, uh, and people are, are positing that he's going to light York on fire tomorrow night. So, you know, let's see, let's see. 
That's, That's a, a great segue. Yeah, great segue, Jeff, into you know another. So what I do? <laughs> what we do, boys? Always looking for segues. There's like fifty percent of my brain perpetually devoted to finding the best segue for for what's next on the rundown. So so take it away there, Mixmaster Mitch. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, like Mike said, you know we're looking for lights at the end of the tunnel, and there's another one: is the Canadian Championship, and Toronto sees opportunity to to lift a trophy this year. And obviously, it starts as as part of an amazing triple header of games. You've got the CF Montreal traveling to HFX Wanderers, which is going to be incredible. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for that one at five thirty. Then or five actually i think and toronto fc they're hosting york united and you know it's gonna be a very exciting game for both clubs i mean the first time they've ever met and then you know maybe the most intriguing matchup of course the vancouver whitecaps nightmare fuel derby between cavalry fc and pacific fc so <laughs> you've, got to, you've got an amazing uh triple header there. To get that jab in <laughs> yeah of course of course but I, I think that that game is interesting because you know it does give us some context going into this one which is of course that MLS teams are clearly beatable in this competition. You know, Vancouver's had a much better season than Toronto FC. So with that being said, you know, it's it's obvious that Toronto FC can't at all take this game lightly. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, we, we said before, we're hoping to see some of the younger guys get an opportunity. Jacob Schaffelberg, perfect opportunity to, to have himself a game. But even if York's not the team Pacific is, like this, this is going to be a challenging game for Toronto and they can't, uh, they absolutely can't take a night off. Agreed. I I don't. I, I'm sorry, guys. I, I just I'm not sold yet on York United, cap York United's capability of beating a team like Toronto FC. Well, let me let me turn uh, around on you, Mike. If we lose to York United, it is it's gonna be bad. And I don't mean just you know the 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 angry chirping on on the on the socials. I mean the rot in the organization. It's hmm. going to be bad. I mean, right now, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm presuming that there are a lot of people hanging on by a thread in there. Um, and no, but, but well, losing, losing to Panama in 2018, uh, was it 2018? It was 2019. That 2019. Was, yeah, was, yeah. 2018. We only lost to in the final, <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean that's not the same thing as losing to the rival up the up the road. That's made this up game, half this of game your... means it has a lot more sentiment to it. Um, yeah. Right? There's there's that narrative behind it that you know York United's kind of this inferior club and in, in the local made up market. of our yeah, made up of our cast offs and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, yeah. Toronto FC is supposed to be these the juggernauts of, of major league soccer and should be able to to walk all over any Canadian Premier League team, regardless of, of their stature. So, uh, to Jeff's point, if TFC do lose this game, that's a that's really the <laughs> the cherry on top of what has been a, a shit Sunday. Yeah, yeah, terrible, terrible it. season. But that being said, <laughs> that being said, again, as as I was kind of touching on off the top, like I would be shocked, jaw dropped. If TFC actually lose this game, uh, York, York United, they're not like they're unbeaten. They're unbeaten their last five, which which is great, but they're not MLS caliber. They're they're again our TFC. Neither are we. Depends on the day that you look at. But yeah, this is yeah, a team yeah. that that did get a massive win over the weekend against the second place team, the Eastern Thank Conference. Whatever God you believe in, because oh my goodness, is that ever confidence heading into this midweek tie? If we had yeah, lost to Nashville, whoo wee! Right. So and I think yeah. 
also TFC, uh, you know, I thought, you know, perhaps before this that they weren't going to take this game as seriously, but now we know, like, that's the only thing they have left to play for. Yep. So I think they're going to throw everything at this sort of match, and I actually think, I wouldn't be surprised if we three, see three, four, potentially even five goals from, from TFC um, tomorrow, and I will probably be eating my words next week, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I love so, it that you go there because it's amazing. Then you know, and we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna drag you through the mud if you're wrong, because we'll both be. I mean, all three of us will be equally sad. I I wrote this in my column last <laughs> week. I won't. I, be. I I mean, cup set or no, I do think we're we're playing for the soul of the club right now. There's so little left that, and there's and and you know, so many losses explained away as moral victories that there's nothing left in that tank. So even though it's it's a bad season and it's off the back of a uh, of 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 just woeful woeful times you know we may we may better our wooden spoon uh 23 points from 2012 we may we may end up with worse points on the table at the end of the season than our worst season ever um you know that is going to be terrifying and and my 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 concern is this you know if i was jimmy brennan and his staff i would come in guns blazing for the first 15 minutes because if you can get one if you can get a goal we might collapse under our own hubris. And, and I'm just, I'm really, really worried about the first 15 minutes. Uh, yeah. Cause it's going to be weird. I mean, the away, the away support is going to, is not that far away. Right. <laughs> like it's going to be such a weird environment at, at BMO field um, that it, you know, the first 15 minutes, it's going to be hard to get your bearings. And that's when, and that's when you're most vulnerable. And I, and I do think that that's going to be, uh, uh, York, not York United, the nine stripes. Of <laughs> I think that's going to be their game plan. So, so I'm worried. I'm very, very if, worried. Can you imagine if York United had been drawn against CF Montreal? Like, how difficult, like, how many York and nine versus Montreal impact uh, <laughs> things you would have gotten there? But it's their I own mean, damn fault. It's their own from, damn fault. From, Pick from a their name. perspective, mm-hmm. though, this is a cup final for York United. Like, this is probably the biggest game they're going to play all season. You know, we, we've mentioned that it's Toronto off season biggest game all season but that's because you know they've screwed up so many other games before this it probably wouldn't have been if uh if they were still in a playoff race you know we would be talking about this game very differently so yep i mean we saw it with pacific like they just played as hard as they've ever played in their lives like those guys were going into every tackle that sort of thing and vancouver wasn't ready for it i think obviously it helped they had a, a much more um advantageous home pitch than we're certainly going to expect from from york during this matchup I, I i think it will still probably be quite pro toronto fc in that stadium but with that being said like i, I think if toronto fc again if they're expecting any sort of walkover easy match here then that's how they lose this easily exactly exactly respect your opponent they mm-hmm. got nothing to lose they're playing with house money right now and yeah and, you know there's there's nothing more dangerous than that right yeah oh, for, so. for sure for sure that being said guys you know where I stand. Uh, you know where I stand. Uh, let's uh, let's see what happens here. And hey, if if it is a good match, then you know I think we all win. Like I think we all want to see a good match. I just I don't know. Something's telling me I'm teetering on the end that it's going to be a blow up. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see how see. this goes. I hope you're right, man. I hope you're right because you know as much as I as much as I love cup sets and as much as I want to see you know the C- the ascent of the CPL I don't want to lose to York United <laughs> I'm sorry. yeah, <laughs> nah. yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm contractually obligated to cheer for these guys so we'll see, nice. see what happens <laughs> oh yeah yeah, we'll yeah. See what happens yeah Fair enough. we got uh, you the... got you in a tough spot there Mitch sorry <laughs> exactly I think the 
I'll, I'll be all <laughs> in on the Ensa brothers. So hopefully, you know, a couple goals for them, and well, I guess uh, a couple goals for Chris Snow, and then uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what Toronto so, FC can so do. So your score prediction is seventeen to fifteen, and that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody's happy. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you guys have a name for the derby? No. The one that's been bandied around that that works because it's alliterative is the Dufferin Derby, but Ooh. York is on Keel. I don't mind that. But yeah. York is on Keel, and BMO is quite a walk from the Dufferin Gate. That's true. So, yeah. You know, yeah. With that being not- said, you know that would be a very proper Toronto FC Derby to be named after something that doesn't. That really- is not. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, so, so I mean, the four hundred one Derby isn't yeah. actually going to Montreal, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah but who cares? Yeah, but who cares? I mean, yeah, the Dufferin. I mean, BMO is closer to Dufferin than York is, so I, I am all for the Dufferin Derby because once again, the tilts favor favor the big boys downtown, right? I yeah. mean, it could, I, I, it could be so much like you know the uh, 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 the bridge and tunnel Derby if we want to borrow something pejorative from from New York's uh, suburban environs. We can get a lot meaner, but but you know, I, I kind of like the, what's the West Line uh, for the for the subway called? Uh, the down what well, used to be the Downsview line. Uh, yeah, now, yeah. So the Downsview Derby. I mean, that the, down, the Downsview Derby because you know that's that's right by their their training center as well. Oh, yeah. Why don't we just call it TFC wins? Why don't we just call it the TFC wins Derby and be <laughs> done with wins it? By a lot of goals. <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny. Yeah. Is it? It's the we're gonna beat you Derby. Now shut up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we should finish up the show here by talking about a man who has contributed to a lot of TFC wins, some of their finest 100%. moments. Uh, oh my god, are we we are killing it on the segways today, by the way. <laughs> that was that was a thing of beauty, Mitch. That was absolutely beautiful. It was until you interrupted him. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, one of the biggest wins in club history was uh, a Justin Morrow hat trick to to get the supporter shield. So um, you know, he, he announced, announced this week that uh, after a 12-year career, he's going to be hanging up the boots at the end of the season. So, um, you know, it's always a little tricky to, you know, uh, eulogize a player when they're still going to be playing for for the later half of the season. You know, we're ha- going to have to give him the, the Derek Jeter treatment a little bit here as the, <laughs> in the back half of, of the season. But, I mean, you know, I think a couple of things, obviously one of the better, if not the best left fullbacks to ever play in, in major league soccer. And obviously certainly with, with Toronto FC as 100%, well. 100%. Yep. And yeah. the even bigger thing, which is that this guy's not going away anytime soon from, from the impact he's going to have with, within the league. Um, obviously, I, you know, for everything he's done on the pitch, I think what he's done off the pitch is this past season has been, even more massive and and yeah i think that that's a legacy he's truly going to leave with with mls with sports with you know the the culture shift we're hoping to see in in this continent in general yeah his press conference was uh was pretty emotional for me because he's one he's very very well spoken um and two i loved uh, uh, i'm going to paraphrase but he said you know i was starting to shine more off the pitch than on the pitch and that was sort of what made my decision. And not only was it very eloquently expressed, but you can see the excitement in it, in the man's eyes um, to to get work to get to work. I mean, uh, he's done so much um, over the last two years with respect to to the to the social justice and all that other all that other stuff. And I, I don't mean to gloss over it, but but it's important important work and. 
you know, let's tie it into to our guest today, right? It took a English expat with a with an affinity with a with a genetic affinity for the sport that we all love for the beautiful game to see the potential for the beautiful game in Toronto. Well, it's taken a Cleveland transplant to see the beauty that is, you know, available to us in Toronto, but also the potential to do more, you know, and, and, and listening to him speak about the city, it's all, it's always been um, a treat to listen to, to Justin Morrow speak about Toronto because he's such a fan. He gets it. He's, he gets the vibe. He nails the vibe. And it's something that as a Torontonian myself, I've forever been proud about. So I love it when people come here and see what we've got and, you know, see the, like, like really do see the city for, for for what it is which is this wonderful worldly global city where everybody can be you know let their own freak flag fly and not have to just melt into this you know into the new york zeitgeist or whatever you know you can be you can be yourself in toronto but you can also be a torontonian in toronto and i think these are the kind of people we want to keep around you know uh, these are the kind of people that deserve to stay, to stay around and be involved in the club, but also be involved in the city in a, in a profound way. So uh, I only wish the best for him in, in the future. Um, and, and I think despite the fact that people are going to say, well, you know, he's retiring because of the performances this year, uh, despite the fact that he said that that's absolutely not the case. Um, you know, it's always easy. It, I, I think it's always a smarter move to get out while the going's good. You can't do this forever. Um, he's probably got a, few, a couple years left in him, but with diminishing returns. And he's dis- and he's and he's seen that he can be more effective elsewhere. So it's it's an intelligent decision, a difficult one. It can't not be. But uh, I applaud him for for just how measured and 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 cl- and, and decisive it was, and and and. The you know just he's just such a stand up guy man like he's just he's just so he's just so easy to like you know yeah we we had the privilege of having him on our show in the off season where he revealed to us that uh, you know he did want to retire here in Toronto um, he also revealed the fact that he had like this past press conference he had multi year offers from from other teams yeah and you know he had the decision to whether or not you know go set a family up elsewhere for the longer term and you know i guess secure himself financially a little bit more or stay in toronto and, and retire here and he chose he chose the latter because it just, that's that's what the city means to his family um justin moore the player mitch you touched on it there this this could be the best left back in major league soccer that we're referring to right here uh, they that's, had this conversation yeah. on the extra time podcast recently and um they they agreed like if he's not the best he's definitely one a one b and this is a guy who who's a winner on the field um and really kind of someone who kind of revolutionized the left back position in major league soccer absolutely someone who could really get forward consistently can contribute scoring goals and yeah we talk about that hat trick which again like never forget because that is one of the greatest moments really in, in our club's history is it's wonderful like justin morrow left back found a way to to get up the pitch and, and net three goals to help us en route to the supporter shield still mm-hmm. get goosebumps thinking about it um not only that this guy played a crucial role in, in 2019 as well when we, we we meet we went all the way to the mls cup final um he's played a crucial role really is his entire career here at toronto aside from perhaps this season um 
know, obviously he had a lot of injuries he was dealing with. And again, I, I'm with you, Jeff. I think this guy's had a couple of more years left in him, yep. but he made the decision before the season that, that this would be his last year um, as, as a professional soccer player. And we can only applaud him for what he's done on the field, off the pitch. <laughs> I, I Words can't justify uh, what, what this guy's done. Like he, he told us when he was on our show, he, he re-echoed this statement in the press conference. It really felt like he was doing two, three jobs. Yeah. And the top of being a professional soccer player, which is absolutely insane, um, especially considering the demands that it, it, it requires to be a, a professional soccer player in this league. He will go down really as one of the greatest players, if if not the greatest defender, really to ever play for Toronto FC, especially at this time. He's he's second all time in appearances for the club. Yep, and as, as I've touched on earlier, the, what he's doing on the field doesn't even, uh, I guess on the field doesn't even measure up to what he's doing off the field. So uh, I wish you nothing but the best, Jess Moore. I know you still got a couple games here left to play in your career um, with Toronto FC. And hopefully, you know, the club can, can help him go out on a high note by lifting that, that Canadian championship for, yep. for Justin and, I think that would be such a sweet way to sort of send off a player who really deserves nothing but that sort of send off and excited to see where this goes. I know he mentioned in his press conference that a couple of people that I've talked to have also echoed this, that I, I believe he will, after this is all done, after he retires, he will find himself in some sort of capacity with the front office or yeah. with the coaching staff of Toronto FC. He, he's not done. He's not done helping this team win. Nope. And he wants to get this team back to the top. So let's look out for, for Justin's next move after this as well. Yep. Well said. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that's that's something we can kind of look forward to at the end of season as well as, you know, the the opportunity to to give Justin the, the proper send-off he deserves. So um, that's another reason to, to get out to BMO Field, uh, at least in the, the next couple of weeks is, yeah, you know, he's a, he's a player that really deserves to to have all kinds of accolades and, and, you know, statues for, and yeah, yep, one hundred percent everything for for what he's done. He was kind of the first one of of that uh, that group that turned things around finally for Toronto FC with the you know coming here in twenty thirteen. So yep, yep, absolutely. We will we will definitely continue to talk about Justin on the show as as the weeks go by. As as I said, always weird to uh, to talk about someone as as they're you know winding down their career when you don't know it's it's well you know the end is coming but it hasn't come yet. So. But at any rate, um, yeah, I mean, that's yep. uh, that's it. That's what the show is at this point. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. <laughs> the chat, uh, the chat is asking for an injury oh. report. Do we got one cooking, Mike? Or, or I'm actually no. I got the press conference going on right now, so I, I did miss it. Um, okay, so, okay. And what I'll say, watch is the probably, socials and and yeah, you'll get watch one. the yeah. socials. I'll say, obviously, no Josie Altra, no Io, Io, no Ralph, no Subasa. Um, Pozuelo likely not, just just based on on what I'm hearing. Um, again, a lot can change really in the last couple of days, but based on what I'm hearing, uh, he's not quite there yet. But he will be hopefully soon. All right. Two weeks. There you go. <laughs> Fourteen days. <laughs> There's an impromptu uh, Michael Singh injury report to end the show, but uh, yeah, huge thank you to, to David Miller for for joining us. Uh, that was a delightful conversation. Great to reminisce on some 
some old moments of how this club came to be, you know, look ahead a little bit to, to things that, you know, still might need to change, but yeah, always, always great to, to talk to someone like that who had such an impact in, in what happened uh, in terms of this club's history. Um, thank you, of course, to, to everyone for listening and interacting. You know, we missed all of you in our, in our week off and excited to be back and, and see all your comments again. Um, yeah. What a week of footy we have had, especially tomorrow. I, I can't wait and uh, we'll have some new content for you guys very, very soon. So stay tuned for, for some show announcements uh, coming up and in the near future. But until then, you know, as always, thank you so much for watching, listening on behalf of Jeffrey Pinesker and Michael Singh. I'm Mitchell Tierney until next Tuesday. Uh-huh.